Welcome to the Let's Think About That podcast where we don't just react. We'll break it down and think about it. We're going to talk news, the law, sports, whatever we're thinking about. We're your hosts, Ed Yeager and Lee Allen. Lee, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Ed. I hope you are. I am well, yes. And yeah, there's there's a lot going on. But, uh, you know, to start off, let's just talk about something that's not bad news. And Aaron Judge breaking the record for home runs for the American League. It's kind of a big story, breaking Roger Maris's uh, home run record. Yeah, 61 years to get 62. Yeah. Um, it began to look like he might not get it. Yeah, it did. Um, and you know he feels a sense of relief, um, kind of having the monkey off his back and getting over the hurdle. And I was, I was checking the – uh, baseball before we came on the air, and I, I don't think he's hit one tonight or this afternoon because they played it four, as did everyone else except the Nationals and the Mets because they had rain. But what an interesting story. Uh, he's a free agent, turned down a bunch of money in the offseason uh, to play out his uh, his final year, and he breaks Roger Maris's record. And he's going to probably just miss the Triple Crown, I think, um, particularly the batting title aspect of it. Uh, but he's, you know, he's well over 300, a, you know, a ton of RBIs, obviously, and then the 62 dingers. And since you mentioned that he's going to be a free agent, you know, you kind of got to explore that a little bit because what's his market value now? It's got to be huge. <clears throat> oh, yeah. And, you know, he's a he's a Southern California guy. So you, you got to think that, that he wants to head in that direction. But – he was at, he said something um, to the media in the recent weeks about favorable about Boston, and he was asked if he was going to be interested in perhaps signing with the Red Sox, and he said something that was kind of mercurial. You know, well, we're not going to talk about that right now, or we'll, we'll talk about that later, or something. Sort of got uh, some of our Red Sox fans. Um, excited with the possibility that he might head to Boston. I'm sure the Yankees uh, would not be pleased, but um, his, you know, his numbers are just, they're going to be, I mean, there's no telling how much money he's going to get and for how long. I'm not real sure how old he is. Uh, I would say mid to late twenties, but I don't know. Yeah. And, you know, as a Red Sox fan, we'd certainly love to see that. Uh, it's always an interesting switch between the Red Sox and the Yankees being such rivals. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Damon went the wrong way. Um, Mike Torres went the wrong way. Who else can I think of? Uh, and just FYI, Aaron Judge, I just Googled it. He's 30 years old. So he's got okay. a, uh, you have to think he's got a lot of good years, good productive years remaining. And, you know, you wonder, when is he looking at a 10-year deal or? 12-year deal, if I were a general manager, I'd be looking more in the six to seven years just because, you know, you'd rather get somebody, get rid of somebody a year early than a year late. But, uh, you know, they're going to be all of them going to all the big market teams that can afford it will be drooling um, to get their uh, at least get an offer in front of him. And then, of course, one of the biggest market teams, of course, will be the Yankees trying to hold on to him. So, oh, yeah. Certainly possible he stays with uh, New York. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, who could blame him? I mean, you know, uh, if he's with the Mariners or or, or the Tigers or, you know, uh, anybody like that, and he has this year, he doesn't get 
near the publicity um, that he's that he's gotten and going to get as a result of doing it with the Yankees. And of course, let's just let's just say that he has the AL record. He's still behind Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa for the the major league record. Yeah, but I don't recognize that. You don't recognize those. I, they're tainted because of uh, performance-enhancing drug use uh, allegations and, and admissions by some of them. Yeah. And Hank Aaron is still the home run king in my book. 755 is the magic number. Um, and get off my lawn, you know. <laughs> Even though 755 is not the official number any longer for the home run. Well, anyway. Yeah. Uh, enough about that. I hated to call it good news as a Red Sox fan, but you you certainly got to give uh, give them. Uh, well, yeah, the due. Yeah, you do, and he seems like a decent decent fella. Um, and I've never heard anything bad about him other than he's a giant, and he plays for the Yankees, and he wears ninety nine. Um, but otherwise, you know, hey, he's probably a good American, right? I'll take that. Yes. Um, so, like I said, a lot's going on in the news. It seems like the big story today that I kind of want to throw out there and, and get your thoughts about were uh, what seems to be you know, more economic news going the wrong direction. The, the stock market's certainly been up and down, but now OPEC has announced uh, they're going to try to cut uh, production by 2 million barrels a day. They were talking about a 1 million barrel a day cut, but 2 million uh Biden has been releasing oil from the Strategic Reserve. He announced today that he was going to continue to do that on into the fall and winter, despite earlier plans that it would end, I believe, at the end of this month. So that's going to continue. Uh, but it looks like people are going to be in for more shocks at, when they go to the gas pump. Yeah. And, you know, gas prices have started going up again um, at the pump. Um, and, Biden has been um, taking credit for when they've gone down the last 15, 16 weeks, um, even though, you know, he gets credit for why they went up. Uh, and, you know, this is really um, it's bad economically, of course, as you mentioned, it's going to drive up inflation. It's going to hurt particularly the middle income Americans and lower income Americans uh, because they're going to have to drive uh, for the most part. And and gas prices are you know, double or, or thereabouts than what they were. Um, but it's also bad in terms of our stature in the world because, you know, Biden, uh, he went to Saudi Arabia, even though um, the press secretary said yesterday that that was not the purpose of that trip was not oil. Um, he, he went to um, ask the Saudis to pump more. He said he was going to do it, said he did it. As I recall, there was not a transcript of any meeting where he actually, um, where they actually had quoted him as, <clears throat> excuse me, making the pitch to pump more oil. But you remember there was that controversy where he said he was not going to shake the hand of the Saudi crown prince, and he didn't, but he did fist bump him. Which, uh, I, which we both said at the time was even worse than a handshake. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, not not to interrupt you, but, but oh yeah, yeah well, that's right. right. No, no, yeah. it's a good point because the handshake is a formal thing. I mean, it's what you know, heads of state and senior members of governments do, even when they don't get along. Even you know, when you come to you know to the table, you know, anything short of war, they tend to shake hands, and and the fist bump is much more familiar. Um, but anyway, he said uh, earlier this week 
that, uh, or at least sources inside the White House are saying that um, he said that uh, he appealed to the Saudis to pump, to not not cut the, the amount pumped, because if they did, it would lead to a, quote, total disaster. Like you said, the the expectation was a million to a million and a half barrels a day, and the Russians announced after the OPEC plus meeting, which as I understand it is the OPEC nations plus Russia and maybe Venezuela, but I'm not sure that Venezuela's even included in that, um, that they were going to cut by 2 million barrels a day. Um, it's, it's bad. Uh, there was some information I saw. Uh, I don't know that it's been confirmed that the administration was going to stop selling. I think it was a million barrels a day from the strategic petroleum reserve. And that was kind of, if not announced, at least floated before today's decision. So, you know, you could be looking at 3 million barrels of oil less per day. Not good for inflation. Well, it's not good for inflation. And like like you say, today they announced they're going to try to continue releasing oil and, and selling it at auction on the the open market from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. So maybe that buffers it a little bit, but not significantly. And, and, you know, what's interesting is there was not a transcript of the conversation with the Saudis. However, all the press around that time had to do with the price of oil. And since then, gasoline retail prices have been going down, and the White House has consistently taken credit for that. How many days in a row? And they start counting the days and how many days in a row have they gone down, even though they're still at historic rates. Um, So, you know, just this week, I guess it was yesterday, uh, Peter Ducey from Fox News asked uh, Kareem Jean-Pierre in the the White House briefing. Well, he took credit when prices went down. Is he responsible when they go up? And suddenly the answer is, oh, it's a lot more nuanced than that. That's right. There, there are a lot more factors. There's COVID, there's Putin, all kinds of things that might cause them to go up. Never mind that he shut down domestic production. Uh, that's, that's, that's the major number one factor is that they don't want to produce oil. And by they, I mean the Biden administration. They don't want the U.S. to produce oil. So now we're going to now we're going to pay the price. For and why that. is that? Because they think it's dirty and ugly and it's old school and they all want to you know, move to this green revolution and save the planet. And their their base is demanding it, um, and uh, so we, if we buy it, it's better than if we produce it. In their minds, I suppose, but it's it's really a disaster, and it's 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 totally self uh, self inflicted. Um, and and then I heard, and I I, I meant to ask you, but it uh, slipped my mind. Um, was there a threat from the Russians? with regard to their space program where they kind of said, we're going to take our ball and go home and you can get your own flights from Elon Musk or whoever. Uh, We're not going to take you to space anymore. There was early on and then they backed off of that. They've kind of circled around back to, you know, we're going to work together cooperatively in terms of, of international space station. And today a, a flight launched from Florida uh, taking a crew of four, including, I believe, one Russian cosmonaut to the space station to be there for six months. So uh, I think we're back to working together on that. Okay. Okay. And, and you know, the last thing I wanted to mention on this, this oil thing is I, I had to wonder if this wasn't uh, the crown prince's way of getting revenge on Biden, whether it works or not. But, you know, throughout the campaign, Biden trashed him and said he wouldn't have anything to do with him. And then he, he made that visit 
over there in, I guess it was June. I wonder if the timing of this 38 days before the election is in some way of kind of tweaking him and saying, yeah, well, we got some power here, too. I think that's a good observation. Um, You have to think it, if not the reason, it's a reason. Um, You know, he he was, um, uh, as you said, blunt in the campaign in 20. And then he went hat in hand in June. And, you know, the, the prices had started, as we said, started to inch down here lately, which probably would have helped the Democrats at the polls in the midterm to some extent. I don't know how much. I don't know that anyone does. But uh, and now it, it appears that um, that trend has reversed and they're going up and they're probably going to, you know, you have to think if, if OPEC and the Russians see this through, that prices will be higher than they were at their peak. You're right. Uh, the other big story is, um, I don't know that there's a lot of spin that could be put on this, but it's just Hurricane Ian hitting Florida, moving up through the Carolinas, causing significant damage, certainly in Florida, but even into the Carolinas, you know, it's a huge storm. And, and now today, DeSantis met with Biden and, and the two first ladies, they, they met together in Florida and viewed some damage. They seem to be working together, even though it's clear that they don't like each other. Uh, but from a political standpoint, DeSantis is, uh, you know, doing what he's supposed to do to help his state. And he seems to be very competent in terms of managing the aftermath of an emergency. Yeah, he's uh, um, or he's uh, he's 11 points ahead of, of his opponent in the November 8th um, general election. And, of course, he won in 2018 um, by less than a point. So you'd have to think uh, he, he's weathered the storm, no pun intended, um, pretty, pretty well. I saw where some on the left had tried to, to make some political hay with, by, by accusing him of, uh, of not having the state as prepared as they should be and so forth, but it doesn't seem to have gotten any traction. He has handled the situation with the president. And I think the president to his credit has done it as well, as well as we could hope. Um, the, the other thing that I, I wanted to get your thoughts on is that there was a story last week after Ian uh, made landfall in Florida that there was a concern um, by the emergency management hierarchy that petroleum was going to be an, an issue potentially um, in, in the areas affected by, by uh, Ian. Um, and, and in some rescue efforts because of the depletion in the strategic petroleum reserve since, you know, the, the spring or, or early summer. Um, and, uh, you know, you wonder what that's going to do to the, uh, the oil market as well and, and inflation and thus the economy. I, I guess it remains to be seen. And right now there are a lot of people who are, have lost everything they had. And, you know, it's a humanitarian crisis there. And so they certainly – yeah. Uh, need support. Uh, you know, certainly, we extend our thoughts and prayers to all of them and hope that Florida is back on its feet soon. Yeah, and we would encourage all of our subscribers and listeners to to contribute either via the Red Cross or Samaritan's Purse or you know some some legitimate charitable organization that will spend the money on the people in Florida or Puerto Rico uh, and not on some you know gala fundraising event. Good point. 
Absolutely. I, I fully agree. Um, but but uh, let me ask you before we leave Ian, because I, I, I've been thinking about this since it happened and I want your perspective because I, I know you have one. Our vice president said that the financial aid, I guess any kind of aid from FEMA and other federal government sources would be dispensed on the basis of equity, um, which would certainly uh, imply, if not express, that it would be given out taking race into consideration. Well, I think she explicitly said that. Yeah. She, did, she didn't just say it would be based on principles of equity, but she went, went forward to talk about how communities of color had been most impacted and how they had to be given you know, some precedent in terms of, of uh, the recovery efforts and getting aid because they didn't all start in the same place. Uh, she, even, she even went so far as to say, we support equality, but equity is more important. Um, and there were, the backlash was swift and it was strong. And, and I think even those on the left who probably are, are fully bought in on this idea of equity, even they knew that was too far to go in a recovery from a natural disaster like this. Yeah, no doubt. Um, interesting stuff. I, I, who would have ever thought? You know, but, you know, let's just say it. The, the vice president is is supremely untalented as a politician. Yeah. Uh, you know, and there are lots of examples where she gets up and just spews some word salad. This wasn't one of those. I think she clearly meant this. And it's probably what she and her aides sat around talking about. Yeah. Um, but she's a she's a horrible politician. She was a horrible politician in the last uh, presidential campaign. That's why she dropped out before she even got to the primary in her home state. Um, she got selected based on, let's just say, you know, Biden said he was going to select a black woman. I mean, he made it clear that's how his choice was going to be based. And quite frankly, she was the most conventional candidate from that group of folks. So it wasn't an unusual pick from that perspective, but she, she's not good at her job. No, no. She's a she's a worse politician than he is. And that says something. Um, what What were your thoughts on his? Uh, speech in Puerto Rico where he claimed to have been uh, raised, at least politically, by Puerto Ricans. You know, I just laughed when I heard it because it's just one of many things that he says, and it just, you, you just go, why? Why do you say that? That doesn't even make sense. Because everybody knows it's not true. Um, it's like he's got to fit in, and he doesn't know how to do it, so he just makes stuff up. Yeah, I mean, is it was corn pop Puerto Rican and I, I, popcorn, <laughs> corn pop, whatever the guy's name. Corn pop, pool. yeah. He was um, a bad dude. That's all we know. You know, yeah, he was a bad dude. Maybe his street gang was in a fight with the Puerto Rican street gang or something. Sort of like West Side, West Side Story. Story. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's maybe Biden's getting confused with the movie he saw. I, I don't know, but that was just um, no. Just don't do <laughs> stuff like that. Well, well how about this? His statement at the end of last week or, or maybe midweek last week, as today we're celebrating Yom Kippur, um, the Jewish high holidays, he said that he had been to Shul, which is a Jewish religious um, festival, more than the people that he was talking to. So he sort of says, I'm, I'm Jewish. Is that I mean, that's the way I took it. Or I'm more Jewish than you kind of thing, you know? 
you know, it, I guess all of it is just cringeworthy to me. Yeah. And uh, whether it's a politician that I agree with about something or I don't agree with, I just can't stand that that try to that attempt at forcing a connection between folks. There's absolutely nothing wrong with saying. I support you, whether I agree with you, whether I, I, you know, whether I walked in your shoes or not. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to make up stories. And and it's so disingenuous. You'd, you'd like to think that people would would see through it, but I, I, I don't think they have so far anyway. Anyway, let's stick with the politics theme, because, you know, in the last couple of days, this race, uh, Senate race in Georgia has gotten a tremendous amount of attention with new allegations against uh, Herschel Walker, who, you know, is something of a Georgia hero from his time playing uh, the University of Georgia football, winning a national championship, and, and uh, now allegations that he had, I guess, procured or paid for an abortion by someone many years ago. He has vehemently denied that. But then his son came out and started criticizing how he treated the family. Uh, this may be the definition of an October surprise. What do you think? Well, I think it was probably intended to be. Um, I, I, you know, the the son had had sort of said all of the quote right things for a long time leading up to that. The son is a um, a little different from what you would expect Herschel Walker's son to be. He's a he's a uh, a champion cheerleader, um, and and Herschel has has been very supportive of that, which you have to admire him for. Uh, his response to his son, I thought, was entirely appropriate, which was when people asked him, he said, you know, he's my son. I love him. I'm going to be I'm going to love him regardless. Um, <clears throat> but the thing that was interesting to me is, <clears throat> excuse me, is, is really twofold. One, I think it speaks to the Democrats uh, fear of what's going to happen in what would we say, 33, 35 days, something, whenever the election is. Uh, in that race in particular, that they're bringing this up now. Um, the woman is anonymous. Um, I think that's really interesting. They have a the uh, a card that she says he put a check in there to pay for this abortion. And he says, you know, I've signed so many things in the course of my football career. I have no idea whether I signed that or not. It's it's signed with an H, and he said, I, I, I've never signed just H. And, of course, he said that he also sends checks to individuals that he's heard that are in need for various purposes. He'll write checks to them. So he says that's a possibility. But but I think it comes down to this. One, I, as I said, I think it smacks of desperation on the Democrats' part. But really what they're saying is vote for the man that believes in abortion up to and even probably past the moment of birth because the man who says he's anti-abortion may years ago have procured an abortion. That doesn't, the, the logic there is, is, is off to me. You're right. The logic is off and it's very ironic thinking the, the way I guess it gets to the way it affects voters though is sometimes the hypocrisy Whereas the guy who's, you know, doesn't care about particular rules or whatever, you know, maybe he gets a pass, at least from certain segments of the voting population. Whereas the other guy, whether his family values or something else, who's preaching that, if he's then not seen to be living by those same rules, then that may hurt him more. Yeah, I guess it would suppress the the, the Walker vote more than it would 
swing the Walker vote to to Warnock. You know, I, I think Herschel has handled it as about as well as he could. And I think that, um, you know, I was reminded <clears throat> of the um, the Kavanaugh hearings where someone came forward and said all this stuff happened, but I don't want I don't want to be outed. I was reminded of um, Clarence Thomas hearings where Anita Hill and some others came forward, but didn't want to be outed. Um, and then now this person apparently doesn't. Um, but Herschel raised, I think it was half a million dollars last night after the news hit. Um, so, you know, I, I, I would I would say that it hasn't hasn't really hurt him too much at this point. Yeah. And j- just to stick with Georgia for a moment, because there's another big race there and it's a uh, rematch between Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams, who um, has <laughs> she's been a consistent election denier, no matter what anybody says, because she's basically claimed. Well, they got the receipts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's. She- they got a video of her time and time again talking about how the election was stolen because he cheated. Well, there was a, a lawsuit. It, it, she has sued over that. Um, it came in. Uh, there was a hearing this week. Uh, judge uh, Steve uh, Steve Jones, I think his name may be, an Obama appointee federal judge, threw out her lawsuit. It's a 288 opinion in which he basically took apart her claims bit by bit. Um and she didn't come out and say, well, he's right. No, she still comes out and claims the last election was was stolen from her. Uh, and this is a time when her party is basically trashing any Republican who has questions about the 2020 presidential election. Yeah, she's she's backpedaling from her prior statements. And, you know, you'd have to think that a, a campaign ad where you show she says it was stolen. And now she's I never said that. Um might be uh, might be helpful to Mr. Kemp, but he's got like eight point lead or something. I mean, I, I yeah, he is. He has a significant or sizable lead in the polls. He's outside the margin of error and it seems to be growing. So yeah. and perhaps that helps Herschel Walker somewhat also in terms of. I, I would think so. And, and I, frankly, I think the gas situation is going to help Herschel as well. Um, you know, uh, and then Warnock's wife came out today and started talking about you know, his, uh, his failure to support their kids and lack of involvement. Again, which she, she made back in 2020 allegations of domestic violence towards him. Well, that's interesting. And, you know, a moment ago I talked about the, the kind of the issue, which some voters may see as hypocrisy when one candidate isn't living up to values that they espouse, but Warnock is a, is a pastor. And so that may affect him. You know, in the same way that, that something might uh, yeah. might have affected Herschel. Yeah, yeah, you have to think it would. Other big story. I, I guess it's a big story. Uh, tell me what you think. Uh, to me, it's a it's a huge story. Didn't get a lot of press, but the ramifications are just significant. Which is that the national debt hit thirty one trillion dollars today, and, and that's a new record. That's probably not a surprise. Probably whatever it was last year was a record, and the year before that was a record. $31 trillion, though. It, it's a huge story. It's a huge number. And it is um, Exhibit A in the case against the national media being in the hip pocket of the Democrat Party. Um, it, it's just, it's preposterous. And no one talks about it. Certainly no one does anything about it. Um, and, and I don't, you know, wow. The belt tightening that 
is going to have to be done at some point in order to to get a handle on that is really going to hurt. Yeah, and it's not, you know, it's not just Democrats, Republicans have spent money, uh, both sides are responsible, but at some point this house of cards is going to collapse. Yeah, yeah. You know, the last president to pay off the national debt, Andrew Jackson. You know, that's how long it's been. And the, the bulk of the debt was from wars, you know. So this $31 trillion doesn't go back to the founding of the republic. It's been no. building since Andrew Jackson. That's right. And it was small and manageable for the bulk of that time. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really in the probably the 80s and the 90s where it got started getting out of control. It definitely is now. And sticking with numbers, we don't have the final numbers on this immigration situation. And I don't know when those are going to be released, but the stories out there, uh, sources are saying almost 600,000 getaways in the last fiscal year. That's on top of some 2 million that we know came across the border. And of course, the getaways are people that were seen by agents or surveillance cameras or some other source and then weren't apprehended. You could people who were never seen. So you may want to add another 10%, 15% to that number or more. Uh, the situation. They're not in getaways. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, you know, those numbers will be coming soon. It's just shocking what's going on at the southern border. It, it is. And, and the numbers that have come out this week from the political polling uh, shows that uh, Joe Biden and the Democrats are have had their support among Latino voters eroded to the tune of about 50 percent from where they were you know, just a few years ago. So you wonder if the, uh, at least the, the accusation from, from the right has always been that the Democrats are encouraging an open border because they believe they can reform immigration and give blanket amnesty to, to a bunch of folks and, and, and sign them up to be voters pretty quickly. And that there'll be loyal Democrats might be uh, um, skewed somewhat. Well, it might be, I mean, but two things can be true at the same time. One is border being out of control, and the second is that Democrats still think that Hispanic voters are going to vote pro-Democrat, which, um, you know, to the extent that may have ever been true, as a Democrat party gets further and further left, I think they lose a lot of those pro-family, pro-Catholic voters that are coming from Hispanic countries. Absolutely, they do. And, and, you know, even if those folks are going to vote Republican, it's still wrong to not have a border and have control of the border. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a, it's a national security issue. Yeah. As the last president said, if you're going to be a country, the first thing you have to have is a geographic uh, entity or, or geographic parameters so that we know where it is. And if you don't have a border, you don't have that. Exactly. Well, what's on your radar for the next week? Well, obviously the economy. Um, I'm still worried about Ukraine. Media seems to uh, show that um, the Russians skedaddled, to use a Civil War term, uh, from some of the recently annexed areas of uh, of Ukraine, um, the, the, the westernmost uh, region, and then uh, they had a, another pincer uh, or 
movement sort of uh, set up against the Russians in, in uh, a little further east. And, uh, you know, we're going to trap a good portion of the Russian army's best troops and equipment if, uh, if they didn't kind of pull a rabbit out of a hat. So, you know, you wonder at what point uh, is Putin, you know, at what point might he do something stupid that we discussed last week? So I've got, got my eye on that. And then, um, you know, I, I think that uh, the situation in Georgia, really, really the electoral season in, 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 in sort of in total, um, what other October surprises or developments may occur. That will be interesting to watch. I have to say, I've been following this Ukraine story because it seems like the Ukrainians have made significant inroads to the territory that Russia had taken. And then Putin annexed those. I'm not sure I really understand the difference between, you know, they're being annexed versus, you know, taken on the battlefield. Um, well, I think it, the the idea is if he annexes them, then in his mind, from a legal diplomatic standpoint, they are part of Russia. Well, yeah, I mean, I, that's I'm not sure that's the case, but I think that's the thing. And some people have said Russian doctrine allows for the use of nuclear weapons uh, for violations of Russian territory. Um, however, I've heard some other talking heads say that that's not really true, but I'm not even sure what the Russian doctrine matters at this point. I mean, Putin is is doing what he wants to do and, and making it up as he goes along, it seems to me. So I, I don't know how that's going to play out. It does seem like the Ukrainians have some momentum at this point, and you have to wonder what steps Putin's going to take and how drastic it might be, uh, whether it's nuclear or just stronger conventional forces. So that's certainly getting my attention. The other thing is that, you know, the vice president visited Asia not that long ago while she was there. The North Koreans fired a missile off. Uh, They fired another one yesterday, a different type of uh, mid-range ballistic missile. They fired some others today. Interestingly enough, both yesterday and today, the government of Japan actually issued orders for their civil uh, citizenry to take cover because the missiles were coming that in that direction. I thought that was kind of unusual that Japan would feel themselves potentially threatened and, and issue that. So um, seems to be something going on there. I don't know if, if you know North Korea is just doing it to try to get attention or they're going to try to negotiate some other uh, grain deal or something else with Biden or whatever, but you know that's kind of worth watching. And in the last story, I still got my eyes on is Iran, and these protests are continuing. There's still videos all over the internet of of women, primarily men, also those to some extent, taking to the streets, burning hijabs, and and, and protesting. A lot of high school girls. Yeah, yeah, which is interesting. I, you know, and, and in the past, it's always provoked a very violent reaction from the government. Uh, so I'm just curious to see what's going to happen there. And, and then, of course, Friday. Friday baseball playoffs. Playoff yeah. That's a big story, too. Yeah. And the Red Sox season is coming to a close now. So we can turn to somebody else and uh, see how they do. Braves are in it, right? Uh, yes. Yes, they are. Yeah. Jane Fonda will probably not be there, but some of us can't ever purge our, those visions uh, from our <laughs> brains. 
<laughs> All right. You got anything else tonight, Lee? No, I don't. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Let's Think About That podcast. Email us at comments at letsthinkpodcast.com. If you've enjoyed this show, please click subscribe with your podcast provider. That way, new episodes will be downloaded automatically to your device. Leave us a review and tell your friends. Thank you.